brute force. If it doesn't work, you're just not using enough. You're listening to Software Radio, special operations military news, and straight talk with the guys in the community. Softrep.com, on time, on target. All right, so I've been saying for a few shows, I think, that we had someone coming on the podcast that was in really heavy demand, <laughs> and I didn't want to, I didn't want to spill the beans or anything because you never know if something will fall, you know, fall through. But what I could say is that when I was at Shock Show, there were a lot of people who came up to me that were saying, "You got to get Pat McNamara on the podcast," and even like To, our managing editor, was like, "You got to get Pat McNamara on." And we're bringing it. Yeah, everyone wanted to have Pat on, so uh, we're we're happy that you know we convinced him to take you know forty five minutes out of his day to talk to us today. So watching his stuff on YouTube prior, just like getting set for this interview, would you say he's possibly like the best firearms instructor out there for what he's doing? I mean, I he- mean, you you have to define best and what kind of firearms instruction, but I think. For real-world applications, I think Pat is definitely amongst the best out there. He, he's like one of those people who I recommend. When people ask me, like, who should I take a course with, he is like one of a handful, small group of people that I would you know, recommend that I would send people to. So I, I think Pat's right up there. I would assume that's you know a tough thing to do, though. He's probably in very high demand. Yeah, I imagine he is. Yeah, and we'll hear about that. So I'm very excited to have him on. We delivered for you guys. Um, I'm going to throw out a correction. Two episodes ago, I mentioned that Wild Bill, who was portrayed in Band of Brothers, William J. Grenier, um, died. And Ron M. pointed out that, yes, I, I made the rookie mistake of not checking the date of the article. So I thought that it was March 8th of 2018. It was March 8th of 2014. I fucked up. Total rookie mistake. Rest in peace, of course, to Bill on the anniversary of that. Um, but I always like to at least point it out if I screw something up. You're fake news, Ian. Yeah, I was fake, fake news, news on that episode. <laughs> uh, so my, my fault, guys. I will not do that in the future, and I'm usually not uh, duped like that. It happens. But, it yeah. happens. But, you know, we still got to talk about, you know, our World War II vets. So there's, yeah. there's a silver lining in there. That's true, for sure. Um, not much else to get into. I, I know that, you know, the Unabomber story happening in Texas right now, that's well, developing. Unabomber 2.0. It's not literally the Unabomber. Yeah. It's not Ted Kaczynski who's in prison. Um, but something's going on for sure. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, want to speak to Ted Kaczynski is like to, to get some ideas on what goes into the mind of someone like this and maybe figure out what's happening. We're, we're up to what is it like the third or fourth parcel bomb now? I mean, yeah, it's creepy, all this going on down in Texas. And um, I, uh, I haven't been on top of this story as much as I'd like to be because I've been you know, committed in some other areas. But um, gotta have, our writers are paying attention to it, and you know, we'll follow those developments. Um, I'm 
interested to see how it pans out myself. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, you know, we'll keep you updated on soft rep. I'm sure that someone like Alex or Danielle will write something. They're always up on like the latest news. Kurt sometimes writes on yeah. what's happening and what's developing. All right. Well, with that, um, we're going to get over to Pat McNamara. I'm psyched to have him on. It's a long time in the making. Check it out. So joining us for the first time on Soft Rep Radio is Pat McNamara. And I do not bullshit you when I say you were probably the most requested <laughs> guest. Like when I was at Shock Show, everyone was like, get Pat McNamara on the podcast. So I'm glad this is happening. Oh, man, I'm honored. Appreciate it. Hey, no, Pat, no it's Jack. Just want to say thanks for coming on the show today. Yep. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, Absolutely. So, Pat, as most of you guys who are listening know, is former Delta Force, served 22 years in the Army, is now a firearms instructor, probably one of the most known firearms instructors on YouTube, uh, and the owner of T-Max, Inc. The first thing I have to ask you that's totally unrelated, I saw on your Instagram that you were at Judas Priest on Long Island two nights ago. We're here in New York City, so I'm wondering why we didn't get you in studio. Are you, uh, you don't live in New York, though, right? No, North Carolina. Nah, plus I was turning and burning. I had no time for anything. Pulled in there. I had to, uh, uh, we were out on Long Island. Uh, my wife and I uh, boogied on Saturday morning to um, uh, the memorial, uh, 9-11 memorial. From there, we uh, subwayed up to uh, Central Park and then went back to Midtown and linked up with a, a friend of mine and some firemen who got us into one of the Irish pubs there, which is pretty much impossible to do on St. Patrick's Day, but got us in there. And then uh, it wasn't Emmett O'Looney's, was it by any chance? Connolly's. Oh, okay. Because Emmett's, you know, Emmett's like a big supporter of guys in special ops. So it, it would have been cool right. if you saw him. I did see that you tagged Jose Mangan in the photo, who I used to work with when I was at Sirius XM. Great, great Come dude, on, though. Me. Yeah, I, I love Jose. Actually, funny story is. So when Mike Ritland visited um, Sirius XM, he's a huge metalhead. Jose got him on the air with him, and then Jose just gave him a ton of stuff. He was like, do you want this Pantera CD signed by Vinnie Paul? Take it. He was like, take this bottle of Jägermeister. And I, Mike Ritland looked like he was having like uh, his Christmas right there. So just I figured I'd point that out. Uh, Jose's a great dude. Yeah, I, uh, I went out there and hosted Liquid Metal and Octane one day. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. That's yep, where I used yeah, to work. Me. I'm sorry? That's where I used to work. I was at Sirius XM up until May when you know I brought I got brought on full time to do this with these guys. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah, that's wild. Wild. Small world. Yeah, and Pat, I just want to say also congratulations on getting married. I remember uh when we crossed paths um down in North Carolina and you were engaged at that time. I remember uh, meeting you and your wife in the bar and uh just want to say congratulations. Hey, thank you. Yeah, it uh, man, it's going so freaking well. I, I hit pay dirt on that. I mean, I definitely <laughs> married up several levels, so uh, I'm happy about it. And we are we are rocking, man. We are cooking with Amish butter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way. I got lucky. Yep. 
so I don't know where do we uh, where do we get started with this, Pat? You want to talk a little bit about um, you know what you're doing these days? And, you know, we know that you know most people know you as Pat McNamara, the firearms instructor. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the courses of fire that you offer uh, down there? Talk a little bit about your business and what's available for people who are interested. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so. Uh, I'm an MTT, mobile training teams. I travel um, globally <laughs> to do this. I'm trying to limit my travel, though, because I'm getting a little travel-weary because I I am in pretty much a different state every week, uh, almost, almost every week. And uh, it, I either do uh, my typical course is a TAPS course, tactical application, practical shooting combination, uh, carbine, uh, pistol, um, but I do a lot of two-day pistol courses or two-day rifle courses. And then um, I do instructor classes, and I, I, I do a, a Sentinel class, which is a lot of fun to run. I think I only have two of those this year, the Sentinel class. Um, and then besides for the training, I, uh, I'm co-owner of a MMA gym, and I run uh, combat strength training. Wow. Um, so I'm, I'm training people globally on the combat strength training. I have the ebook, and right now it, there's open enrollment on the uh, the uh, combat strength training course online. Um, and then uh, I write for Athlon Outdoors for Ballistic Magazine and Combat Handguns. Um, I'm writing an article right now for NRA Magazine for the uh, Carry Guard, the new Carry Guard Magazine, NRA. Um, let me see. I just put out a uh, Sentinel DVD, uh, so that. Uh, there's a package, uh, the Sentinel DVD, the uh, TAPS carbine and TAPS pistol DVD. They could be bought individually or as a package. Um, I, um, man, I got so much crap going on. <laughs> and then, you know, I've got like, uh, uh, I, I collaborate with uh, Rogue American Apparel and um, got got my own brand of coffee, T-Max, Blaze Ops, Blend, Double Dark, uh, which is fantastic coffee it's really good the uh, uh, off the uh, invader coffee line nice and then um, um i'm gonna it, it, my new thing is only because i've been bugged about it um i do artwork uh pen and ink stipple pointillism mm-hmm. and um i'm gonna i'm gonna I, I i've been against it but i a buddy of mine at uh defense targets uh taught danny uh doman talked me into selling the uh my some prints, some of the Alberta uh, Prey prints that I have. So, I'm going to put those up on my store probably in the next two weeks. Well, Pat, let me ask you this: not to get too like zen on you right off the bat, but you know you have some interesting hobbies. I mean, you're a talented guy, not just a marksman. Um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit, if you think this is true, uh, if you know you're artistically and you know you've talked other things about um like your interest in bird watching how these things kind of feed into marksmanship if they do at all i mean do you feel that one hand washes the other or that it's important to have a variety of different interests in life i don't think that uh, those those type of hobbies have anything to do with marksmanship however there's a parallel when it comes to training methodology for instance like in my combat strength training or in some of the activities that I participate in, and that is, um, you know, do the best you can with what with what you have. Think about performance versus outcome on stuff. Uh, it's funny because right before I called you guys, I was looking up the rules for speed golf uh, because 
Well, I play, I try to play golf once a week. I don't have the time to get out once a week, but I try to, and it only takes me two hours to drive from my home, play 18 back to my home only because I'm first out and I'm hitting straight. So I got nobody in front of me. I'm not playing with anybody, but I thought, man, you know, it'd be cool. as freaking speed golf. Um, because now I'm boogieing, not in a cart boogieing. And, um, it's a whole different scoring system involved too, but I'm not sure I've got the legs for it. So I might just try a couple nines first instead of a full 18. Uh, but, uh, I'm not even sure I answered your question. I think I talked about no, the parallel that's okay. with some of them. But the um, as far as like the other hobbies go, there's like bird watching and stuff. There's really no parallel. Um, but but with the birds, my vision, distance vision is very, very good. And I attribute that to focusing through the woods and through uh, obstacles and stuff like that when watching the birds. My vision right here sucks. Like looking at you guys on this screen right here, you're a complete blur unless I put these guys on. But my vision out there is really good. So um, and it's 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 uh, it's better than most people's vision that way, you know, at a distance. Like, for instance, I could see. Uh, holes in paper on Ipsic target at 50 yards, nine millimeter. Do you find that it puts you, um, like say art or bird watching puts you in a similar, uh, I guess, meditative state is like when you're shooting, you know, you find like when you're a long range marksman, the incredible amount of focus you have to put into each shot. Um, like I recently got into modeling, um, after a long dry spell, not the kind of modeling where you're like showing off your bod that no one wants to see that, um, but like yeah. painting. And I find that it's the only time that it, it puts me in this sort of like meditative state uh, that's similar as when I used to shoot a lot. Yeah, there's no doubt. The thing is you get um, you're you're wrapped up in the moment when you're doing those kind of things and you're not thinking about anything on the periphery. Right. You know, you're you're in the here and now versus thinking about uh, your emails that you have to um, service or what's on the schedule for tomorrow, that kind of thing. When you're doing those things like the, the artwork or the birds or the golf or fishing, you, you want to be in the here and now. You don't you want to you want to disconnect from all the other bullshit that's in your life and um, get into that meditative state. I think it's good therapy, especially for guys who are really busy. You know, I mean, I'm hobby heavy, but man, I don't I don't have the time to uh, to work on most of them even during the week. But if I have that hour or two hours, I am going to I'm going to jump in and do something. I'm definitely not going to sit on my ass and watch freaking Netflix, you know, or something like that. I'm going to um, get in my garden or uh, run the dogs or play the golf or whatever it is. Play some music, get on the drums, get on the guitar, whatever it is. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to bring up with you is I have a few people in common, people we've met and uh, crossed paths with. Uh, one of them was um, George Hand. And, uh, you know, I always, well, I don't always do this, but sometimes I do this, which is a little embarrassing. It, like when we had Mark Boyad in, I asked some of his former teammates, you know, some, what were some questions I should ask Mark? And, uh, so he told us the story about how he accidentally set his halo shoot on fire yeah. with a smoke grenade. <laughs> but, uh, I asked George, I was like, what should we ask Pat? Um, he, he mentioned some story about, um, oh, what was it? Somebody going right through your suspension lines on a halo jump. Uh-huh. Yeah, dude. See, George, George and I go way back. I'm talking 84, 85. And uh, plus we went to selection together. We went to combat dive school together. Um, I mean, 
So a, a good and bad thing about a guy like that is he's seen you at your best, but he's also seen you at your worst. Well, oh, so I don't mean to ask like that, anything embarrassing. You don't have to answer, of course. Yeah. No, 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 no. This was, uh, it's, uh, I was this close to retiring and, um, wanted to get one more, uh, jump in just to stay current. And in order to do that, it was like an ash and trash jump, you know, where you had to strap hang with a bunch of freaking people you don't know. Um, and, uh, which I freaking hate cause I loved uh, free fall and doing MFF with guys I know because, uh, well, it, people you it's, trust. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's dangerous. You could die doing that shit. Um, so I got on th- this pay hurt jump and, um, there was this gal who was, who was on halo status and she sat on the plane next to me and this is all the way up by the <laughs> cockpit and I'm going, Oh my God. Cause I knew she was a soup sandwich. I knew she was a football bat, that she was a shit eating turnip, that she was a chicken wire canoe, <laughs> uh, that she was hockey, hockey clean. And, um, so I, I broke protocol and I achieved separation in the aircraft uh, and I walked all the way down to the tailgate and a buddy of mine was JM and, and I said, Hey Sam, uh, if you want, I could poise or I could, uh, poise out and you guys could dock on me because my free fall skills were really good. Cause I, I had like 600 jumps at the time. Uh, and he goes, okay, good. And we're short final. So I'm standing on the ramp looking down, he's doing his last commands and I, I, uh, I turn around to look in the aircraft and this freaking chick achieves separate. She, she closes the gap in the aircraft. She walked all the way up and she, I'm face to face with her. So I look at Sam and I said, Sam, scratch the poise. I'm going to dive out. He goes, all right. He's so freaking confused at that point. So I dive out and I am tracking, man. I am freaking, whoa. I am getting away from that aircraft because this is probably my last jump. Right. Um, so I am boogieing, man. I'm full Delta. I am boogieing, put on the brakes, boosh, and I turn around and here comes this freaking chick right at me because <laughs> she's flying like this. Uh, one hand or her, uh, basically facing the altimeter and hand on ripcord. Oh, so she's in a full track and she doesn't even know it. And she's not she, paying she, attention. Completely oblivious to her surroundings. So I freaking, I dock with her, boom, and I give her one of these. And I said, pay attention, you know, basically pay attention. And uh, she gives me a nod, and I, boosh, I achieve separation again. I'm booking, man, and I'm looking out there, checking, 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 wave off, nothing. I, I uh, deploy my chute, and like s- seconds after I deploy it, because I'm up trying to break the, uh, uh, I get the brakes out, and I felt something, you know, I felt my shoot wobble or whatever, but I couldn't see anything because my arms were up like this. Uh, so I, uh, I go into my, uh, my, uh, canopy check, my, um, um, uh, what's it called? My, uh, your four points of performance controllability checks. And I'm looking up and I got closed end cells on one side and I'm like, huh, I've never had closed end cells before. That's weird. Um, so I'm thinking, well, do I cut away? You know, you gotta, you've only got this much time to think about it. Uh, so I'm looking at the altimeter. I'm going, I'm at 2,500. I'll wait another 500 feet. And it's still controllable. And I'm, now I'm at 2,000. I go, oh, I'll wait till 1,500 feet. It's still, I can still cut away if it's a piece of shit. And uh, 
but it was controllable and I end up landing right on, um, right, right in the pit area. And, uh, one of the, uh, 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 uh guys from the, uh, that the the drop zone. Riggers, one of the riggers, he caught my chute before it hit the ground. Cause they saw me coming in with end cells and he's inspecting it and he goes, holy shit. And there was a freaking gigantic hole in this thing. And I'm thinking, what in the hell? And here comes this freaking chick with her Gentex helmet on, big red face, and a huge chunk of my canopy sticking out of her helmet. <laughs> oh, my and God. He goes, oh, man, that sucked. And I go, you threw, you, threw, threw, you flew through my fucking canopy. I was so freaking pissed. I wanted to punch her right in the head. Oh, my God. It was horrible. Yeah, but. And that the anyway. evidence was still clinging to her face when she came down. It was, it was stuck in her Gentex helmet. There's no denying <laughs> that. There's no denying that. <laughs> God. Yeah, thanks, George, for that one. Uh, the uh, other funny thing, I, I can't remember what I what I asked George, but um, something about hand-to-hand combat, and he, he just made this offhand comment. He's like, yeah, for PT in the morning, I used to have to box Pat McNamara and Josh Collins. Lucky oh. me. <laughs> is that his funny yeah, comment? I can just thing. imagine. George is cutting himself short because that guy's <laughs> a really good man. He was his kickboxing skills were ridiculous. Uh, so I was bo- I was bottom wrong compared to those of you guys. I was bigger and stronger, but those guys can hit and box well. But yeah, I mean, getting hit by Josh Collins, who was pro, you know, he, yeah. he had pro fight. That guy, I mean, when he hits you in the bread basket, he comes around, booge, booge, with the massive freaking hooks. You are going down on delayed effect. I mean, his, yeah. So I, uh, I definitely know what it feels like by getting punched in the face by both of those guys, and it ain't fun. Uh, maybe George is downplaying it because he made it sound like he was the one who had a handful with both of you. Nah, nah, nah. He was, he way, he's way better, way better, way better. Yeah, yeah. His boxing skills were ridiculous back then. Yep. Yeah, he's being humble. Yeah, he is. And did you want to? I know, uh, oh, you know, Pat, that, Pat, we know you're a, a massive uh, metalhead. I know Ian has some questions for you. Oh, yeah, oh, for yeah. sure. So, T.O., our managing editor, was showing me like all of the podcast stuff that you've done with metal and was like, you got to ask Pat some metal questions. So, I guess I'll just shoot a few over. I mean, the first of which would probably be how was Judas Priest at the Coliseum, especially being that it's what? It's half the band now because, you know, you've, you've got members not there anymore. One member who's in, you know, has some uh, medical issues happening, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, Glenn Tipton has Parkinson's, so he's picking and choosing which shows he'll go to. Now, KK, when KK left, he was replaced by um, uh, Richie uh, Faulkner. Dude, that guy, what in the hell? Holy freaking jamoli. Young blood and could freaking slam a jamma in Alabama, <laughs> rock and roll it in Pensacola. Whoa, that guy was on it like a bonnet, man. He was ridiculous. Nice. Uh, I went into it. I got, I got to tell you the truth, man. I went into it not expecting much because Rob's, what, 65 or something, Halford? You know, 63? 63. Um, so I was thinking, you know, does he can't still have a three-octave range, you know? Um, dude, man, they did not disappoint. Best show I've been to in, I can't remember when. I saw Iron Maiden last summer, and Priest was way better. Uh, awesome. They had a replacement guitarist too for Glenn and uh, 
he was super freaking good. So, you know, Ian and Dave and, and uh, Rob Halford, they were still there. Uh, man, they did not disappoint. Plus, they played a bunch of the old stuff. The Ripper, Sinner, Saints in Hell. Are you kidding me? They played Saints in Hell, man. I mean, talk about a complex song to sing. And Rob was, dude, oh, my God, his freaking pipes are unbelievable. And the other thing is, he just he's just the coolest freaking uh, uh, he, he's the metal god, you know, yeah. he's the coolest guy on stage. You know, for instance, when he'd have the audience participation, hold the mic out, he would, you know, give give him a thumbs up instead of saying, oh, it's not loud enough. You know, <laughs> he, he was very appreciative of his, of his fans. Uh, they even um, they even did um, painkiller. Man. I mean, that's a freaking hard one to sing. That's all all. uh uh, uh, I mean, way up there. That's yeah. bloody murder way up there. Uh, dude, they did not disappoint. You know who warmed up for him was Saxon? And I, 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 I said to my wife, why am I not a Saxon fan? Yeah, because. I know that uh, Bill from our site is a big Saxon fan. Um, yeah, I was surprised to see that Judas Priest apparently had their highest uh, charting debut. Uh, sorry, sorry, highest charting uh, first week of sales with this new album. And it's not even, you know, the t- traditional lineup. So that's cool to see that they're still doing it. And it's it's going to be crazy when all these bands retire because you have right now Ozzy apparently doing his last tour, which I know he's said before he's doing. Um, you know, who, who else? I mean, Iron Maiden, how many Slayer, more years do you have left? Slayer's, Slayer's doing their last, their last tour. Motley Crue, I mean, that's, you know, the glam side of things, but they, you know, did their last tour not too long ago. And it's just like... You know, once these bands are done, who headline all of the big rock festivals, like what's next? There's, there's not really, uh, there's nothing that's ever going to replace that. I feel like. Yeah, there's a bunch of there's there's a bunch of newer bands who are quality, and right now, um, with 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 it in the metal genre, it's all about who can play the best. You know, like guitarists are competing against guitarists and drummers against drummers. Like. Metal drummers don't do rolls. You know, it's how complex can I make this? But it's still palatable. It still makes sense, you know, without just hammering double basses the whole time. For instance, uh, Chris Adler, Lamb of God. Yeah. What? Which, by the way, I'm seeing them in June with Slayer, which I can't forget. And and Anthrax, right? Anthrax is on that. Yeah, not a big Anthrax fan, but Testament's on it, uh, and I love them. Uh, I know it's it's almost like uh, it's blasphemy to say you don't like anthrax, dude. I can't think of a single song I freaking like by him, man. It's all power chords and and the the you know the singer. I mean, he really can't sing. And if you're a frontman and that's all you do, you got to be you know Dio. You got to be David Lee Roth. You got to be uh, Rob Halford. You know, if that's all you do. If you're just a front man, you've got to be Phil Anselmo, you know, that kind of thing. You've got to be a front man. You've got to be able to carry a tune and energize the crowd. Uh, eh. Sorry, people out there who love anthrax, but I, don't know. I, I like I don't anthrax, know. but you're, you're certainly entitled to your opinion on that. Uh, so people are probably wondering, like, favorite metal albums of all time. Pat McNamara is like uh, top five. Well, it, 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 a lot of it will be. I talked to uh, CJ, the metal motivator, about this. You, you got to look at good from beginning to end. You know, no fluff, just freaking unbelievable. Metallica has uh, one of them, right? So, Kill 'Em All uh, or Master of Puppets from beginning to end. 
badass. Uh, um, rust in peace, right? Megadeth, beginning to end. I mean, spectacular. I think Go Euthanasia back. by Megadeth is talking about Motley Crue. Um, Shout of the Devil, yeah. from beginning to end. I mean, ridiculous. Um, I was saying, I think I, I Megadeth know. Euthanasia is a very underrated one. Listening back yeah, to Euthanasia is a great one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they, you know they they kind of uh, uh, try to appeal uh, to the masses with that one a little bit. But sure. I love that album. Yeah. Not but, to interrupt uh, that's you. That's a hard there, one so. to answer uh, as far as like favorite. But I just I named a few of them. Sure. Uh, I'm not gonna name you know an album that oh uh, far beyond driven Pantera beginning to end you know just badass freaking badass no no fucking around. And unbelievable riffs, unbelievable vocals, uh, and songwriting, all of it. Awesome. All right. Well, that that's that covers the metal world, I think, for Pat. Because uh, I, you know, I can't turn off the uh, the listeners too much who are like, "What the hell are you guys talking about?" Because because I wanted to get into the shooting side of things as well. And and one thing I was wondering, you know, you were at Shot Show uh, this past Shot Show. People ran into you. I know from the website. And, you know, it's become a pretty saturated industry. Like, what do you think sets someone apart doing what you're doing as a tactical firearms instructor? Man, I've been asked that a bunch. And um, I think um, I can only go by what people tell me, like in a class, you know, for guys who have had a bunch of classes. And, um, you know, I get a lot of, dude, best class I've ever been to. That kind of thing, which is nice. I appreciate it. But when guys are specific, like uh, your style of teaching is unlike anything I've ever seen before. Or I've never been to a course where the instructor came up to me as I pulled in and introduced himself and asked how I was. Um, or, um, hey, I the, the performance-based training methodology resonated with me because I could use it full training spectrum. Uh, stuff like that. Uh, I, I love hearing comments like that, uh, teaching style of the comments, because I think that's what sets people apart, you know, delivery uh, and style. Um, because the, when it comes to one instructor versus another uh, in like if, if he's a special ops guy, there's not going to be a huge variation between uh, what he's teaching. It's going to be how he's teaching it, how he's presenting it. Uh, how, uh, how he's, um, making or managing time. That's another big one, man. I've been doing this a long time. So I, I figured out how to manage time, uh, and to help extend the learning curve because I don't want people working past the point of diminishing return and, um, uh, and make it enjoyable and fun while mitigating, uh, grab ass because I can't freaking tolerate grab ass on the range. I want to have a lot of fun, but no grab ass. Yeah, well, I mean, you also, as you mentioned, have a ton of experience teaching people how to shoot both in and out of the military. So, I mean, that's a lot of iterations to learn from and kind of murder board your own work. So, I mean, that's got to play into it. Absolutely, because I think what you learn, too, is um, there's a skill set disparity within a group. So you have to uh, adjust the training to make the in- meet the individual's need. You have to also... Um, Leave nobody behind, but nobody unchallenged at the same time when you have a skill set disparity. And 
by virtue of doing it a long time, you learn those things. And another thing you learn is not only what to say, but what not to say, when to keep your fucking mouth shut, you know, because that's massive, man. Uh, Because when it comes to teaching like pistol, for instance, there's a lot of brain default mechanisms that go into that. And you gotta, you gotta let the individual, you gotta tell the individual to let himself put the analytical mind aside and allow the body and the machinery to work because it's probably correct. You know, the analytical side, the primitive thinking side. Um, so it's real important to know what not to say. I think when teaching pistol as a, for example, too many are too eager to say too much. So the message becomes a bunch of watered down esoteric minutia and it's no longer palatable to the intended recipient. <laughs> well, it's interesting uh-huh. to hear you say that because it reminds me of, uh, you know, conversations and even experiences I've had with uh, Jim West and his approach to hand to hand combat training. That's very much geared to the individual and the personality. And he makes that assessment of where you're at and takes you from there. And I get that sense about you as well, that you're doing the same on the uh, marksmanship end of things. Yeah, because, you know, if a guy like I've had guys who uh, have come to um, six or seven of my, you know, courses, the same guys. And there's one guy, for instance, who still shoots in like a modified weaver every time he comes. (laughs) And I don't even I don't even correct him because he shoots well. So I'm like, ah, screw it, man. I mean, he's 60 years old, you know. Uh, do your thing, bro. You're freaking rocking. So now I could, all, all I can make you do is, uh, 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 um, help better your personal style. And, and I'll do that. I mean, I don't want him to shoot that modified weaver. It drives me crazy and it looks dumber than hell, but, uh, eh, whatever it's working for you. Yeah. Why goof it, up? it reminds me of the, uh, the medic on my, on my ODA. He was, he was a pretty salty guy and I was a relatively young, you know, 18 Bravo. And the way he shot was just not out of the textbook at all, but he was accurate. Yeah. He was accurate all the time. So it's like, am I going to get in there and mess with what you're doing just because it doesn't look right? It's not out of the manual when you're, you know, you're putting rounds on target. Yeah. Probably not worth yeah. it. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, you know, it, I mean, styles are very personal. Um, and, I will adjust them if it's not working uh, full training spectrum. Right. If you can't move with it, if you can't set up with it, that kind of thing, uh, then I'm going to start saying, hey, start thinking about this. Uh, get rid of that turtle back and just stand up, bro. Just stand up. You don't need a big turtle back and super aggressive. Just stand up. You Trust me. It's going to be better. It's going to be faster. It's going to be more effective. Just try it. And he goes, dude, you were right. So yeah, man, I didn't go home last night and smoke a bunch of crack and dream this shit up. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the, the fundamentals of marksmanship remain the same. And I guess that's uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, too, is when it comes to marksmanship, it seems like there's a, a real obsession in that world with the cool new thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, what? Yeah, um, I, I call them. There's a lot of solutions to problems that don't exist. Um, so those cool new things, gimmicks, gizmos and gadgets. Uh, I mean, I see a lot of them, um, not too many of them because guys coming to my course are, are pretty serious. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're spending money to train on a weekend, um, you're usually pretty serious about it. It's a commitment. So yeah, I don't, I don't see a lot of, uh, you know, goofiness, not a lot of it per- periodically every once in a while I do, I see it more with, you know, guys that I, I drink beer with who don't shoot but own stuff and guns and crap and they're, and they're showing me pictures of these gadgets they got and I go oh yeah huh? 
pretty cool, bro, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh, good for you? I don't know what to say about it, but to me it looks dumber than hell, but I'm not going to say that to you. Yeah, I just don't see the purpose in it. But, yeah, there's a lot of that out there. Well, I mean, even if if we set aside the uh, the gimmicks and gizmos, and I don't, I don't want to talk about the cool new thing, but I wanted to ask you if you think there are future trends in this uh, industry, in this uh, in this training field. I mean, do you see any future trends happening, or anything that catches your interest, or do you think the the fundamentals yeah. of marksmanship are just the same? No, I see I see future trends. It's guys who are copying me. <laughs> No, I should you not, man. Like when I started talking about my thing was performance based training. Right. And then doing physical stuff on the range, a yes. lot of movement, picking stuff up. I mean, nobody was doing that. But now the all my sheet. industry competitors, they're even talking about performance based training. They don't know what it is, but they're selling it as performance based training. And um, so I'm yes. So the future trends a lot of them, if they're cool, they're going to come from me. I'm sorry. Yes, that's hubris, but I'm saying it because um, I guess because I'm old and crotchety, and I'm allowed to. <laughs> I'm allowed to be crotchety. Um, but um, there's also, uh, um, you know, there, there's also trends with different. Uh, the fighting styles always evolved. Like for instance, knife fighting and that kind of thing, you know, it's a big thing. Guys who are in the shooting world will also go to like knife fighting classes. I think that's a little trendy. I'm not sure how that fits in the scheme of maneuver of things. Um, only because I guess I'm not a big, a a massive fan of it, that knife fighting. Uh, and if you want me to go into why I'll tell you why. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I see. Uh, the other thing is, you know, the, the, the mixing the physical stuff with the shooting. That's becoming more and more of a cool thing. I remember <laughs> opening up an article is two years ago uh, in um, Recoil Magazine, and um, they had a course. It was my grid of fire with the sandbag, just like on my YouTube. And, yep. and this yeah, guy, I've seen it. it was in Louisiana or, or uh, Alabama or something or somewhere uh, where. A uh, guy had a, a shooting school and, you know, a range and all this stuff. And the editor or the, the main dude from Recoil went down and said, oh, these guys are so badass. They're, mi- they're mixing physical stuff with, with shooting. But anyway, that's, you know, uh, typical of the stuff I'm seeing out there. Uh, and this guy totally took credit for it, which I pinged him on Facebook and he apologized and said, oh, dude, I always give you credit. I said, but I didn't see credit in the Recoil magazine. Uh, just saying. I mean, interesting, man. It. You know, actually, yeah. I, I would like to hear a little bit more expanded on why you're not a fan of knife fighting. Because, as you know, mm-hmm. Jack could say the guys from the generational, you know, uh, older Jim West it was would be a huge proponent for the knife fighting stuff. Yeah. Well, here's the thing: I carry wherever I go, right? Everywhere I go, I'm going to carry. I'm going to pack. I got extra mag on me. Uh, I have a folder, uh, not a fighting blade, because you know what you can do with a folding knife. It's a knife. You can use it where, you know, if somebody says, hey, man, you got a knife? It's, yeah, but it's my fighting blade. You can't use my fighting blade. It's <laughs> fighting blade. No. <laughs> so there's a difference there. Here's the thing, though, too. All right. Um, I know that if if here, a confrontation, 99% of the time, any confrontation is going to go physical before lethal, right? It's going to be physical before lethal. You, you know, any confrontation. Um, and... If it's physical and it escalates, I know that 
man, I could knock a, I could knock a dude out real freaking fast. I believe uh, it. He won't see it coming. It'll be um, uh, from a non-aggressive posture. It'll be spontaneous, uh, and he won't see it coming. I could knock him out real fast, and I could pull him over to the curb and let him rest. Uh, or if it goes lethal, I know I could, I know I could dispatch him really fast and effectively. Um, cutting a guy up, first off, you're not going to kill him, right? You're not going to kill him. He's got to bleed for a while. You know, and um, I mean, when you splay a dude open, I don't know how many people who actually do knife fighting have seen guys cut open, but man, is it a mess. So you're number one, you're covered with this stuff. It's not just going to stick to him. You are covered in this mess. There's going to be pictures everywhere, cell phones and all that crap. Now you have because the guy's not dead. Now you got to defend that in a court of law with this guy's (laughs) guts all over the street. You are going to be freaking hammered, man. That jury's going to see that and go, well, he deserves his ass kicked, but cut open. No freaking way. That is brutal. That is uh, unethical. That is immoral. That is beyond human, man. So, I mean, I'm going to knock him out or kill him. Um, Yes. I got a knife and I am prepared to use it, but, uh, that, that, I guess that's my, I think guys will, let me back up. Uh, Jim West could fight, man. Smokey could fight, but a lot of guys who do, um, uh, knife fighting can't fight. Yeah. I think you have to be a fighter first to know how to freaking yield that blade and, uh, be effective with it. You still have to be able to compartmentalize compartmentalize all those pressures, you know, that pressure of a fight and to be effective with that, man, I could, I see guys who go to knife fighting classes, just flailing with it, just flailing, flailing for, you know, if they get in a fight and messy, 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 whew, and it's, and it's not going to be uh, lethal, you know, to be lethal with that blade that takes, you know, well, I, I don't know, decades, decades to be instantly lethal with it. So there you go. There's my, there's, there's my two cents on that. Yeah, well, I mean, that's why when people ask me who they should go and take a shooting course from, I tell them, go see Pat McNamara. Just do what he tells you to do. You'll be fine. <laughs> um, there was one other thing I wanted to ask you, if you'd be willing to talk about it, because you had posted up this picture that is, like, literally mind-blowing. And I'm talking about the one of you at the Berlin Wall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In, like, full, like, you you know that guy, uh, that, that singer Gunther? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> You're dressed up like him. It's just incredible. I just wanted to know if you could give us a little bit of the backstory on that picture. Yeah, so I had the luckiest career ever. I mean, I, I, I mean, SF baby, first group. Then I got recruited to um, work in a job in, in Berlin, and it was like setting up networks, Cold War stuff. It was real, you know, cloak and dagger crap. Because uh, you're a German that, linguist, was- right? You yeah, were, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was a prerequisite for that one. Then I had another job. I'll, I'll get back to that. But I had another job um, spying on the Soviet army in former Soviet East Germany. And once the uh, wall came down, reunification, I went to uh, selection at the unit and stayed there for my last 13 years. But yeah, that so that picture, um, um, <clears throat> uh, you know, goofy freaking German get up black shoes and stupid pants and track suits and leather jackets the and mustache. mullets and yeah mullets and uh, uh, ambiguously gay mustaches <laughs> and all that crap um but the job was real real friggin cool 
I mean, it was neat, man. I mean, I could, I could go, I could talk uh, days about that and the other one where I worked in uh, former uh, Soviet East Germany. But yeah, real cool stuff. Yep. I was very fortunate to be, to have been a part of that chunk of history. Yeah. And you, and you were there when the wall came down. Yeah. Wall in 89 and then reunification in uh, 91. Yeah. yeah. So for both. Yes. That's incredible. I am surprised Pat looks as young as he does, you know, no homo, <laughs> but you look, you look very good, sir. Right on. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. I got uh, to take care of myself, man. I got to eat right and exercise because I like to goof around. You know, I like to drink beer and I like to smoke cigars. So I got to um, I got to eat. My diet's ridiculous and my workout program's ridiculous. So okay. I have a young wife, you know, I want to take care of her for a long time and be as young as possible for her, too. And for um, for those who are, um, you know, for those who follow me, man, I am I am extremely honored and, and blessed that I have this following. And it's like it, it's a complete demographic of people. You know, it's it's people in their 70s and people in their uh, it's it's people eight or nine years old, you know, who are fans of my YouTube channel, for instance. <laughs> so um, I have an obligation to um, stay stronger, longer and as uh as fit and um, relevant as possible for as long as possible. That's awesome. Well, so the website, for those wondering, it's tmaxinc.com. You can follow Pat on Instagram at tmaxinc. Um, anything else that you're promoting before we wrap this up? I mean, this has been awesome. Well, uh, another one um, for those guys who have uh, uh, the income for it, I, I, I collaborated with Carolina Arms Group and made a um, signature in 1911, the uh, Blaze Ops Edition 1911. Oh, man, I have never been in, instantly enamored with a gun before in my life. I'm a 1911 fan. I mean, I, I love my Glocks, too, and all my other handguns and rifles, but I have a, uh, I have a love affair with a 1911, a good custom-built one. So that's another one, Carolina Arms Group, Blaze Ops Edition, 1911, only 25 being made. I think there's a few left, maybe a half dozen left. Um, what else am I promoting? I got, I said the Panio Productions, the DVDs. Uh, I've got um, two two books in hard copy, Sentinel and uh, Taps. And then I've got the ebook, Combat Strength Training. Uh, and then uh, YouTube channels, Pat Mac Channel. Uh, like you said, Instagram, Tmax Inc. And I think that's about it. Yeah, I, I so. saw the books on the website, but I and I think you were saying the same thing, Jack. Uh, I was surprised you don't have like a memoir out though, right? No, only because I don't want to be a douchebag and write about stuff that I shouldn't write about. You know, I, 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 I've kept my nose clean for a long time. Um, and um, in this industry... It's not, it's not, I realize it's not easy to do. That's what I'm realizing. It's not the True. easiest thing to do, your no, keep your nose clean. So um, I, I was working on one, uh, but more satire than anything else. So if I have the time, I'll finish it. And it's called Beer, Bullets, and Birds. Uh, and <laughs> I like it. When I read through it, I'm like, oh man, this is good stuff. Because it's memoirs to a certain point, but I'm not going to talk about like operations and schools and stuff like that. Unless there's an anecdote that is a freaking riot, you know, um, and that it relates to either beer, bullets, or birds. Uh, because and, and some of those intermix, man, I mean with – uh, for instance, bullets and birds. There's a bunch. Um, 
and they're yeah they're a riot they're a riot so i was fortunate enough to have a lot of bad luck in the military and when you look back at it it's funnier than hell <laughs> that's cool man because yeah. I, I feel like a lot of people would read a pat memoir for sure oh for sure well you know pat even if you know it's not for everybody but uh that's something if you did write it you didn't even put it into a safety deposit box and that's for your kids or grandkids or whatever down the line oh right 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 yeah 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 that, that, yeah, yeah right right yeah yeah yeah, it's pretty neat. I, like I said, I was just very, I was extremely fortunate, man. And um, I had uh, like the coolest military career. I mean, I had two SF MOSs and Halo and combat dives uh, at, at 20, at 22 years old. Um, so even starting out, you know, um, um, I started out fast tracking, but a lot of it was luck and having the right mentors. Yeah. Getting well, in yeah. with the right group of guys. Yep. Mm-hmm. So yep. the last thing I was wondering too is you said that you got to host on uh, Liquid Metal. How did that come about? Uh, Jose Mangan and I met on social media. You meet the coolest people on social this media. Is true. I, I think I've met some really freaking awesome people on social media. So I pinged him. I think it was maybe four years ago. Um, I, I on an Instagram post where I dressed up as King Diamond for Halloween. Nice. And I and I thought, ah, oh, you know, Jose Mangan would like this. So I, I tagged him just for shits and grins. And sure, shit, he freaking, he pinged me back. And uh, then we started chatting and he said, hey, can I send you an email? Uh, and I sent him, oh, I sent him the, um, you, have you seen the uh, Bravo Company, the BCM interview? That, no, I haven't. It's eight minute long interview. It's pretty cool, but the beginning of it has me running and gunning on the range, and there's some metal just shredding okay. in the back. I'm sure uh, To at the site is seeing this. I said I don't want any gay freaking tunes playing here. I want <laughs> some freaking screaming guitars sure. and freaking banging drums. So I sent that to Jose, and he was like, "Holy cow, this is the coolest thing ever!" So he sent me, an <laughs> and that's email. how he sounds. <laughs> I said, and that's how he sounds, Jose, for those who don't yeah, yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, dude, yeah, he's funny. He's Every, everything with Jose guy. is, you could talk about, there have been times where I was like in the, ba- you know, we were in the um, uh, kitchen at Sirius XM, and he'd be like, we have new soaps in here, it's so fucking metal. <laughs> everything was metal <laughs> to Jose. Yeah, dude, he is, he is the metal, the most metal person I've ever met in my life. Yeah. And he has met every single person in the industry. Yeah. There's somebody in metal. He has met him. But anyway, he sent me the email and said, hey, can, uh, uh, he talked about his uh, 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 connection with uh, Affliction Clothing. Sure. Asked if I'd be a brand uh, ambassador. And I was like, Eesh. I'm not sure, man. I know the people who wear Affliction gear. It's like, But then he said, oh, no, no, it, there's a new gun line and all this stuff. And I said, well, send me. Yeah, I'll check it out. Um, and then he asked if I was going to be in California anytime. And I said, yeah, I got a course coming out, you know, in LA area. So I did a twofer and, uh, took him to the range, uh, one day and we did a big affliction, um, keep the drive alive video shoot <clears throat> on the range with me teaching Jose because he's a gun guy. Cause he's got a freaking, uh, Glock, he bought a Glock 19. So I said, bro, you got to know how to use that thing. Just because you have a gun doesn't mean you're armed. So I gave him a couple hour class and boom, he picked it up like that. Uh, and um, then he uh, said, hey, you want to come to the studio? I was like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> uh, and then he asked if I wanted a host. So it was it was pretty easy. Uh, but yeah, so that's how it came about. That's so cool. Yeah, because I was going to say, I got to tell uh, Sean at Liquid Metal about you because I'm sure he'd like, like to do something as well. You probably know Sean the Butcher. Sean the Butcher? Yeah, Sean great the Butcher. dude. Uh, 
dude, all those guys, all you guys are freaking awesome, man. And, and you know, when you're a fan of the genre of music, you also become a fan of that guy who's putting it on. And you always wonder, Rebecca and I will like Google him. What does this guy look like? You know, that kind of thing. Cause you got a picture in your head of what he looks like. But Sean, when he, when he, man, he's really freaking good at what he does. Uh, and I love his, um, you know, working with Jose on the, uh, the, uh, the, Getting oh, to the pit. The is that what it's called? Right. Or the trivia, yeah, pit? the trivia pit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, they're really good together on that. Yeah, I agree. Sean's I've known Sean for a long time, uh, but yeah, he does a great job on there. So I'll have to mention that, that he was mentioned on this episode, but I do remember hearing that Jose was a gun. was, I guess, becoming a gun guy because Will Cow, who I worked with was like, Jose is a fucking gun guy now. And was asking him about that. There's actually a very funny Will Cow story about Jose um, that they were meeting with some like big investors of Sirius XM and just talking about what they do. And I think Andrew was like, yeah, I do a conservative talk radio show. We appeal to ages like 35 to 55, mainly male demographic. And Jose in front of these big investors, he's like, and we play fucking metal, man. <laughs> like, but that's Jose all the time. Yeah, no, he is. He is the most metal guy I've ever met. Yeah. <laughs> I've also heard Jose call himself like a metro metalhead because he's a metalhead who also like waxes his eyebrows and shit. It's uh, oh, a little weird. Man, yeah. He's so pretty. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. His hair and his jewelry. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Pat, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to talk to us. You know, we'll let you get back to your uh, your business. Um, thanks so much. And when you're back in New York, let's do it in studio. Oh, right on. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks guys for having me. Um, I appreciate the opportunity and, uh, you guys are great hosts. I appreciate it. Anytime, Pat, anything, anytime you need anything from us, don't uh, hesitate to reach out. Rock and roll, baby. <laughs> thanks man. All right. Appreciate it. Have a good one. All right. Have a good one. Great having Pat McNamara on, uh, man, what knowledge from that guy and some great stories that probably wouldn't have been brought up if not for you talking to George and talking to Jim. So. Oh, well, I mean, that was just a little, I didn't want to put Pat on the spot. It's just a little way to kind of, you know, break the ice. Yeah. He didn't seem to mind. No. And and he told those stories in pretty great detail, which (laughs) was great. Um, I guess before we wrap up the things I should mention, uh, you know, I'm probably going to get some new copy for all the stuff that we're working on. We actually have a big company meeting coming up, but the newest venture from Hurricane Group really is Kuna Dog. So check out Kuna Dog online which is C-U-N-A dog. It's on Instagram. And what we're basically doing is similar to what we're doing with Crate Club, but it's a box for dog owners and specifically appeals to the type of guy that listens to this show um, that just wants to get great um, food and great toys and all that for your dog that they're going to love. And it's picked by guys who know this stuff. So I'm excited to see what's to come of that. So check it out, Kuna Dog. Um, Anything else from you, Jack? No, I think that's about it. Cool. Well, um, next show, I'm actually going to be in Florida, so we're playing one of the uh, old members-only shows with the Odyssean, who we mentioned, and I know the Odyssean will be happy that some metal was brought into this uh, <laughs> podcast. Because when, when you were even saying in our little writers group, uh, you know, what questions do you want me to ask Pat and uh, T.O.? It's just like anything metal-related. And, and I think I got some good stuff out oh, of yeah. them. And it really is true what I said, by the way, I think, of... Um, these headlining festivals in the future because when you think of big rock headlining festivals 
it's always these bands like Metallica, Megadeth, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, Ozzy Osbourne, There's No More Black Sabbath, and these bands are getting pretty old. Yeah. Every band I've mentioned has been doing it for over 30 years. So it's just like, who is the next generation of bands to headline this type of thing? I know he said Lamb of God. There, there's a few, but there's there's not a whole lot. I, I don't feel like there are the rock stars or the metal um, stars, if you want to call them that, of today that there were in the 80s and early 90s. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You guys, you guys know way better than I do. I mean, what do you think is the genre as big as it, as it no, was 20, 30 not. years I mean, ago? Well, you also know just walking around. I feel like everything is now hip-hop. If you even want to call hip-hop. it hip-hop, it's this auto-tune, Pop. you know, mumble rap. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's very, like, poppy in nature. Yeah, it's oh, definitely. teeny bopper music. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm a fan of all different genres of music, but I also feel like... Um, Music does not mean to this generation what it meant to even people our age growing up. Because I still remember, you know, like having my dad drive me to the store to get the CD and then like putting it on my disc man, being in my bedroom and listening to it from song one to the very end. Now music is just something that you like casually have on in the background as you're doing other things. You have tracks. Yeah. Tracks. Like we had like when we were younger and we were in that transition period. But I mean, yeah, you had a limited amount of money. So there's only so much music you were going to be able to buy. Yeah. And then, you know, by the time, you know, I was like, what, 16, 17, we finally got uh, CDR drives. And so now we're pirating music. Yep. So now it's like it was like an explosion. All of a sudden you have a stack of like 30 CDs, like, holy shit. And I I listened to a lot of um, industrial music, electronica. You've said Fear Factory before, right? Which kind of plays Fear Factory. Yeah, I like them a lot. Um, and I like uh, like Frontline Assembly and Front Two Four Two. All these these are like you know classic industrial uh, bands, uh, Skinny Puppy, all that kind of stuff. And um, you know yeah, like I said, you only had a certain amount of money to expend on music. Yeah, and so you had to buy something you really wanted. Yeah, my friend Sam has pointed this out. Um, first of all, everything was either radio or MTV. Um, you know, I'm saying prior to internet, you know, right. MySpace and all that really blowing up, like it had to be in your face from some type of source. And as my friend Sam put it, like you would buy the CD single um, or the tape single. I remember all of those. And then, you know, if there were two songs that you liked, that's when you were like fully invested. All right, I'm going to buy this album. I'm going to listen to it straight through, see what I think. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't free to your disposal. And then the big thing, as I was kind of saying before, is all right. So I still keep a iPod uh, Nano, really? which people think is you know, oh my god, it's crazy old school. But the reason for me is when I'm listening to music, I'd rather not have a million distractions. Yeah, and I think now everything is on your phone. Yeah, and it's just something you listen to while a text is coming up, while you're watching videos on Snapchat, chat, and Instagram. And I just I don't feel like music in general is as meaningful now as it was to generation. No, past. it definitely isn't. And I mean, think even before us where it's like, you know, you would literally go out and like buy a record and that's all you had to listen to is that one record, you know, that one David Bowie album or whatever. Even the uh, movie industry, I've, I've heard say the same thing because I've heard people and, you know, directors in interviews say you know, people aren't going to the movie theaters as much anymore. There's movie theaters closing down, and they feel like 
you know, I didn't direct this great cinematic masterpiece right. to be watched on an iPhone. Right. And so with the music, I mean, how many people nowadays sit down and really listen, like you said, to a full album and like really get into that album and listen to all of it and think about what it's about? Yeah. I don't think that happens so much these days. Even opening up the CD, looking at the artwork, that's non-existent for most yeah. now. Yeah, th- yeah, that's not even people, kids today would be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Well, we're sounding like, as Pat said, crotchety old crotchety men, old even man. though we're in our early 30s. <laughs> yeah. But it is true, man. It's like a totally different generation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just feels like music is so much more disposable now. You know, it's like it's just tracks that you have. Yeah. Under, music, under, movies, you know. culture. I, and I even remember, um, you know, I mentioned Sirius working at Sirius when that band, um, it was one of those fucking, you know, little girl bands uh, that they're into. It was like uh, five seconds of summer. I don't. I don't even remember who. But you see the girls who are like fans of this band who are thirteen wearing like Metallica and Def Leppard shirts, and you're like, "Do you even know who these bands are?" Yeah, it's it's become like a trendy, just hot topic thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like you see a lot of young kids outside of the studio, like on the way to Penn Station, you'll see kids in like Guns N' Roses Metallica shirts. It's become a very trendy thing. Like the Kardashians do it, but there's even been pictures of like the the you know jenners like kylie jenner and kendall jenner wearing uh slayer shirts and they like, do you really think the kardashians are listening no, to slayer I don't there was a picture that. of uh kim kardashian wearing a morbid angel shirt <laughs> and that was posted on some metal sites like there is i do not in my wildest dreams believe kim kardashian no. listens to morbid angel I remember when I was a kid listening to Cannibal Corpse. Yeah. Remember that? I, I do remember of them, yeah. yeah. It's as heavy as it gets. So, Cool. Well, we talked metal. We talked guns. Um, leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts. People are looking very forward to your memoir, which is coming pretty soon. Uh, In the fall. Yeah. Still got a ways to go. Cool. But, yeah. Go uh, take a shooting class with Pat McNamara. He'll hook you up with what to do. You've been listening to Soft Rep Radio. New episodes up every Wednesday and Friday. For all of the great content from our veteran journalists, join us and become a team room member today at softrep.com. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Soft Rep Radio. And be sure to also check out the Power of Thought podcast, hosted by Hurricane Group CEO and Navy SEAL sniper instructor, Brandon Webb.